Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your host, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Welcome to another episode of Inside the Firm. I'm here with Lance, Luxury Division Psycho. I am Alex, Luxury Division Gore. We are twins in thought, mind, and spirit Amazing. today, bringing to you a good show uh, about how to run a firm through simple meetings. But before we do that, you can't run a firm if you can't run Revit. It's true. So go to RevitRocketShip.com. Take a look at everything that we have to offer. Uh, Revit, model like it's built, teach your families teaches you uh, how to make a project, gives you F9's template that they use to be extremely quick, extreme, extremely responsible, so you get extreme rewards. RevitRocketShip.com. Two more things that are going to help you run a super efficient firm. This one, both of them are, are free to check out. Uh, go, go to Arcat.com because I want it, it provides for you architects, engineers, spec writers, and contractors with the most comprehensive libraries of building product content. And designed so you can access it quickly and efficiently. Even better, our cat is free to use and requires no registration. So visit today and access the information you need now. It's totally free. They do not data mine. Check out ourcat.com today. The other thing I want you to check out that helps us help bring this podcast to you is go to pelluxury.com forward slash the firm today. I just want you to type that in your web browser, click on the link, show that we're bringing traffic there. A world-class collection of brands brought together to provide window and door solutions to the building industry and beyond. Duratherm and Riley are the true pioneers of industry. They are doing what no one else has done, building and designing beyond the status quo. These brands do not push beyond the limits. They set them. Explore PellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm today. Okay. So, Lance, have you, uh, I was thinking about what we do to run a firm mm -hmm. and how someone else how would you teach someone else to run a firm? And I just wanted to kind of lay it out, get your response, yeah. and formalize kind of what we do and maybe some improvements. Uh, where this comes from, have you ever read this book, Traction, Get a Grip on Your Business by Gino? I have not. Lindsay Fox recommended it. Okay. But a lot of people, it, it's one of those books, it's not as good as, um, what's that one that Mark LePage always says? Uh, the Entrepreneur... Oh, man. I'm so sorry. He's going to kill me. Yep. He's listening. He's screaming at the radio right uh, now. I'll get in a little bit. But anyways, <laughs> one thing about traction, one of the biggest things is you need a financial dashboard, your financial metrics. That's just one of the main things, right? Also, another guy, me and you like, um, you've heard of his stuff. We've talked about marketing made simple. This is business made simple, the same guy. And he talks about, he basically says, hey, you need five meetings to run a firm. And he goes through it on one of his latest podcasts. It's titled that you can find it. And then I, so I combine those two thoughts with what F9 has been doing throughout the years. And I reformatted it kind of the way we already do it, right? So I'm going to break it down like this. First, <clears throat> there's daily meetings that we have. And it, the first one is not even a meeting. It's, and I broke it into financial and operations. I do this. I'm pretty sure you do this, right? It's a five-minute financial check. You go into uh, Wells Fargo, the account. You look how much is in the business account. 
and then you check like are the expenses in line did anything come out that didn't come out mm-hmm. or need to come out one check this morning hey where's payroll is payroll coming out should come out should have been deposited stuff like that so that's like i do that every morning yeah you too perfect yep i check bank accounts i check quickbooks every morning yep yep sometimes i check quickbooks at night too just to see where we're at yep but yeah um and then we have firm wide our five minute morning lean meeting i won't go too much into that because we went into it before but basically a different person presents on five topics what's their win um what process improvement they had what a project review is um problem problem they they solved what principle they use to solve it yep and that's it okay so that's Literally like your daily check-in as a, as a leader to your firm, right? Okay, let's go to weekly. Um, <clears throat> I check on Monday. Basically, uh, it's a bill, like what's billed out or what can be billed out, right? And then check in with your direct reports, right? So this is uh, either happening Monday with the people that I work with in this office or Tuesday when the manager comes up on Tuesday to check in, right? Hey, do they, are they booked out for two weeks, right? What's the project prioritization? Like, should one be moved ahead of the other? Um, and then if they have any questions about a project, a project review at that time, obviously you can have more of that, but like, that's kind of like once a week, I check on, on those two main things, like what needs to be billed in and out, and then what are people's priorities and are they covered for two weeks, right? monthly Mm. right we have a meeting with our social media uh managers right marketing yep and we check in what's the newsletter uh social campaigns self-made media stuff like that so that's like as leadership or if you had just a marketing person like it's a monthly meeting and then i kind of check in at the end of the month slash the beginning of the month because they're the same time like okay what was our income right what was our total expenses? And then there's a um, something to know. I think you should know is like, what's your pay through and what's your pass through? So payroll is how much you're paying people and pass through is like, what's going out to other engineers or people you're working with? Because you you gotta subtract that from your your income essentially. To see the real income. Yep, to yeah. see the, yep. <clears throat> and then you'll know your profit, right? One thing that we don't have that we've kind of talked about is how in either QuickBooks or our Timely app, but probably QuickBooks, like if we get a job, can we put in, hey, this job is worth $50,000. This next job is worth $50,000. And our time somehow, I'm sure uh, there's a way to do it. Like once we bill against it, it like automatically address adjusts so we can see what's in our pipeline. Like what do, do we have $100,000 worth of work in our pipeline? Do we have $200,000? What do we need in our pipeline? you know, to, to have that operations. And then also how do we account for that? Like we'll have huge projects. You've had huge projects. I've had huge projects where, Hey, it only got through site plan review and then it died because the city wanted to charge them a million dollars for water. Mm -hmm. So maybe we only put in the first phase or two on large projects. So we don't, Oh, so it doesn't look like we have $250,000 worth of work when really we only have a hundred and what's that. And then what's that right number? What should we have in the pipeline for how many people? We know how much we should have in reserve for how many people we have, but I don't know if we have that pipeline thing. We don't even have it figured out yet, but that was one thing from Gino's book that they had. And I go, ah, we don't have that. Um, 
Okay. Yearly. So that's monthly. You look at that. Yearly, you have your financial, you have your tax um, submitting, which is normally around March, April. You have your meeting with your accountants and whoever is doing that. And then normally you'll have some sort of tax planning around October. Mm -hmm. Just like, hey, is everything lined up? Do we need to do anything? Blah, blah, blah. Um, Operations. You have your employee review. Each year you have an employee review and, and either a raise or, you know, a, a, a talking um, once a year. Uh, these maybe aren't meetings, but basically emails, but there's basically a health insurance mm-hmm. review, right? Um, I'm going to start setting up next summer because we have a whole bunch of different insurances is, hey, I know we know when we started filling out all these things. So probably a month before, like get with them and say, okay. Where are we? Are these good? What do we need to do? Um, employee handbook review. I think it should be in December. December? Yeah. I like this. Because that way we could have attorneys review it, and then we start fresh January 1. Yep. Or, you know, two. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't yep. work on New Year's, but yeah. Yep. I'll be fishing. Yep. Nice. Who knew? <laughs> nice. Um, then a 401k slash retirement benefit mm-hmm. review, uh, because those can change every year, just like the health insurance review. Um, and then here's one that I don't think you need to act on, but I think every three years or four years, we kind of redo our website. Al gets website bugs up his little butt. Yeah. And then he does them. And I, to be to fair, the website is great. Like we get, I literally got a compliment today on LinkedIn. Uh, someone was listening to the show. Or actually, they were listening to Enoch's show. Shout out to Enoch Sears for having me on uh, business of architecture a couple like a month ago, two months ago. And somebody's like, hey, I just listened to the Yuan Enoch. I'm going to subscribe to your Inside the Firm podcast. By the way, I checked out your website. It's great. You guys are doing awesome work. Yeah. I get the website gives me so many contacts. There's two or three houses that we're going after that came in last week just from that website contact form. So, like, it's doing great. Yeah. But that's just like, hey, every year, maybe look into it. And then probably say, nope, it's still good. And maybe nope. every three years you're revamping. Yep. Maybe three and, to five. And maybe maybe it's once once a year like you brought up too. It's like, hey, we have these other websites for these other companies. Does that need an SEO modification oh, or update? Aaron, if you're listening, how's how's it going on that <laughs> yeah. SEO website? RevitRocketShip.com. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. So, so you should literally kind of lay out, review it, see where it's at. Um, and, and maybe it's just for the majority of the years is like just... Because you could put tracking in there. Yeah. So if you don't, you could put tracking in here. And then if you forget about it, next year you could look and say, okay, how did the tracking work? Do I need to adjust it or, or things like that? Um, and then the last one that is kind of legally, legally obligated is your board meeting, right? And there I think it's just basically, hey, what was the financials of that year? Do you have any uh, big expansion plans or big initiatives? It's just kind of an overview of, mm-hmm. of what's big going per- on. Big purchases. <laughs> and the main reason I bring this up is let's say let's say you were going to sell in a year or two or 3 years and let's say you were going to sell internally like you should bring them to every one of these meetings yeah yeah you know back to the whole projection on where you were saying about estimating uh, be- having some kind of pipeline. pipeline and showing you know how here's how much billable work we have this means we're projected out this far as far as revenue therefore jobs are safe for 3 6 months whatever I actually think what it comes down to is estimates. I think what you have to do is you have to put in estimates in QuickBooks. And then I think you can tally up your billable work via estimates. And then you bill against the estimate. 
So that's what I so and that's coming from the F14 side where we're doing general contracting. A lot of times I'm putting in estimates and I'm turning an invoice, turning them into invoices. You get, I, I feel like it's a little messy, but I, that's, I'm thinking if pe- we use QuickBooks, so if people are screaming at the, in the, into their headphones right now, like, yeah, that's what you do, Lance. Well, then, or that's not what you do, but I think that's where you got to go with it. I do like this idea. This feels like a really good idea that we should, we should pursue it and we should have a better pipe. We should have a better platform. We should have some platform that shows how to do it. Uh, um, you're looking up books. Yeah, I'm trying to find that one. So you with uh, with uh, Marks that yeah. Mark was saying, can you just Google Mark LePage <laughs> and see if it, <laughs> you spelled LePage wrong? But that's all right. Uh, whatever book, becoming an entrepreneur? No, that's just a title. Hmm. I bet you though he has a resources page. Yeah. Google. Maybe. Shoot. Yep. I should text him. We're not texting him, but I should. Ah, yeah, yeah. It's killing you, huh? It's killing me. All I'm right. Sorry. It's killing me. Um, <laughs> so, but what you were saying about QuickBooks, that, that's your first stab, and then we'll refine from there. Yeah. So you can make an estimate, right? So this is what you're saying. Let, let's say that's a contract for 50000 You can make an estimate, and then like when I go to make my first uh, down payment or whatever, I bill against that estimate. You trans you can turn the estimate into an invoice. And then it links to the estimate. And then what I'm saying is is like, okay, then can you categorize can you go in and can you look up estimates in QuickBooks? And it shows like you have $250,000 worth of estimates. And then you can see, oh, look, we have $250,000 worth of billable work, billable, you know, billable money. And then therefore, and then, and then from there, I don't know how you chart, you know, then I guess you just, we just say expenses versus maybe we have uh, Penny come up with some like a, a projected expenses report and we just cross examine those reports. And then we know, hey, we have three months of work, six months, 12 months, whatever. I think that's probably how it goes. Did you find it? Nope. No. No. Stop asking me. Okay. <laughs> People are gonna think that I found it. I haven't found it. Yeah. Um. Okay. Anyways. Uh. So that's it for that. We're uh. We're gonna figure that out together. Um. Because then, Lance, like, the monthly one. Let me go back to this. Yeah. The monthly one. Uh huh. Where it's this. Like this could automatically be made into a report or a diagram right. in QuickBooks, and you could just—I mean, you know to look at it monthly, but any day you could look at it. Exactly. That—that that would be the ideal way. Is it's just at your fingertips at all times. It's all linked. Yep. It's—it's it's working well. And then I like the only thing I don't like. So, the fruit of what that would bear is I like, but I know what it would take to get it done, and that is okay. Al, now it's another. We have another duty. As the folks who are doing this, all the sales, most of the sales, hey, we got a new project. Okay. I signed it. I got it in the pipeline. I have pe- other things. I have people scheduled to go out there and measure it or start dates and meetings and all this stuff. And then it's, uh, okay, now I got to put, now I got to make an estimate in QuickBooks. It's just, it's just more work for us, but I like it's, it. Will, if it works out, then I'm okay with it. But it is more work. Yep. So the other thing I thought about putting in there, but I didn't. Yeah. Is, um, hey, leader of 
ourselves or a new firm or someone that we're mentoring, <clears throat> you should have time blocked out or available to have blocked out. You should do everything immediate. Like if, if we had time, like we should look into this today, but if we don't, because we have different obligations, me, it's Wednesday and it should be business improvement. Like, Hey, on Wednesday, I know I can schedule business improvement. So I could look into, or you could look into how to make this estimate and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and that's another, so in the weekly category is like, as a leadership, you should literally be taking half hour to one hour to I two hours one hour a week at minimum to do, to execute these business improvement things Yeah. or else they'll just get lost. Yeah. Yeah. I might, I might just write that in there weekly. Yeah. I like that business improvement. Yeah. Cool. Okay. I guess it's me next. It's you again, Mr. Corey. You're running the show today. It's all good. Uh, the next one, I saw this on Twitter and I thought I would bring it up because it is timely. Yeah. Um, is rising, are rising interest rates? Are rising. Yep. I think it was from the tweet. I took it directly. The best way to bring down home costs. So here is <coughs> the tweet. Last year, a mortgage payment at 3% was $422 per 100K. Now it's $621 per 100K. Mortgage payments went up more in the last year than anything else. Yes, they did. Rents, yep. Incomes need to grow, rates need to come down, and or home prices have to drop. Personally, I think of these, those three things, home prices coming down is most likely. Um, also, judging from the past cycles, uh, real estate takes the elevator up and the stairs down, unlike the stock market. So it might be some time before this correction. This is from Vidit uh, at Supermode underscore. What do you think of that? I think he's right. I mean, the thing, Peter Schiff has been on this forever. Like, if the Fed is serious about actually tamping down inflation, like, the basic math says... If inflation is 8%, interest rates need to be 8%. And actually, they're getting pretty close with housing. So, because like right now, I think the average interest rate is... It's above six? It's above six. It's like upper six. Uh, bank rate. I'm going to go to bank rate. Rate. Mortgage rate. Mortgage rate. I think it is. I think it is close to like 7% right now. But so, yeah, 6.83. There it is. That's what it's at right now. Pretty spendy, not cheap. Oh, sorry. It's uh, a national average is 6.43 for a 30 year. Um, it's the only way to tamp it down. I agree. But the other, actually, the other way, and then, then this will lead into my article that I'm going to talk about, is like you still need to increase the supply 100%. Because now everybody's shifting from the, now we're shifting from a buyer's market. Uh, sorry, we're shifting from a seller's market over to a buyer's market. But the problem with the buyer's market is then you have all of, just like he said in tweet number one, your mortgage rate, your mortgage payment was at 3% was 422 per 100K. Now it's 621. So it's increased. That's a lot of money for, for folks. Uh, so then what it leads to is, <clears throat> okay, uh, we're going to, now the now rents are increasing because now we've turned these buyers who they, every time they get caught in this catch 22 of the higher interest rate. Although then that, then that leads to more supply in terms of just more existing homes being on the market. But the problem is they can't buy it cause they can't afford it. So then they're, then they go back to renting again. So they all, they get, you get caught in this catch 22 every single time. But it's also too, it's like, okay, if housing prices are too high, the, the band aid solution is 
is this. Just make it artificially more expensive. But you aren't decreasing the demand. So unless you yeah. are increasing, unless you are increasing production by literally like loosening up regulations, uh, opening up land, or just increasing production by technology, maybe, technology, and, and all this, <clears throat> what are you going to do? Like I, I feel like there's this great big pond of demand, and you have the stream, and you're putting your finger over it. So what? Are you never going to release your finger? You know what I mean? Like you're not. It's just this artificial. So once they take it off, our housing price is going to shoot back up again because there's a, there is a lack of housing and a need for housing. So I wish they would come up with some, some different solutions, meaning like because right now that extra money is just going to the Fed and the Fed is a the, the Fed is the collection of big banks. Yeah, that's all it is. <laughs> and with that money, they're either going there's to nothing federal about it. buy mortgages. Uh, with it or they might quantitative um tighten which literally means like delete <laughs> delete money yeah that they get um because it's under a separate kind of system so th- that it they can only use the tools that they have but like this is bringing down inflation in the housing prices until you let your finger off of it because there's still this backlog of demand yeah. so like you're just kicking the can down the road a little bit right 100 percent, yeah Unless the only unless let's say they do this for two to three years and let's say like this isn't going to happen. Let's say 10 house factories open up in four years and they're all made of robots and you can make with robots or 3D printers. And then when they take their finger out, they're like, yeah, we can make as many houses as you want. No big deal. Yeah. The only limiting factor is the planning department. (laughs) Every time. You know, I was going to skip that then, but now I'm going to bring it up. Um, yes, I thought it was good. So uh, Forbes came out with an article because he mentioned robots, um, and it's called, boy, these advertisements are terrible. New new venture brings the speed and precision of a car manufacturing to deliver more housing. Uh, so what it is is uh, basically folks are looking into um, learning from you know the beautiful car manufacturers who have come up with excellent systems to do it, right? Uh, so, quote, a car from the article, a car has a couple thousand components, much like a house, right? And the configuration mode is nearly en- endless, mm. says Timo Hall, the expert in car manufacturing and CEO at KUKA Systems. Quote, there's a lot more complexity in the technology and options along with tougher scale and tolerances. Housing is great and complex business because you are selling a family dwelling. Now we can use mass customization with modern technology and software. We have so that family dreams can be customized, high quality, and delivered on time. Um, so basically, these four groups making up P4 started chatting in December 2021. The convention conversation had focused on automation, but quickly became centered on people. Uh, Curtis Flesher, the head of Effective House, the off-the-shelf product plan portion of the group of four companies, says, quote, It is one thing to open a plant, but also... Uh, but to also create data and support the data is a challenge. You need to understand how to design, run, and supply information as well as create the products. That's the difficult part. Uh, so what they're, you know, they're recognizing the labor issues that are force facing the country. The group believes that manufacturing housing will take the heavy lifting off of people and put it on machines, giving people back people a break to focus on more value-added responsibilities. While automation does save labor. It does in a rational way by reducing labor content, which also produces the costs so that the end product is more affordable. The, ho- the automation also provides a training ground for new people. 
Um, so scrolling all the way down here, they've got a little, uh, they've got it. It won't let me, there it is. Oh, there we go. Yeah. So there, I, if you're watching on YouTube, I pulled up, um, they've got a graphic, pretty amazing graphic actually automated modular housing construction. Um, so they're talking about the demand on the left-hand side here. And they say, there's a shortage of affordable housing in all regions of Europe. Continental house building cannot meet the challenge here. Um, and so uh, they are proposing a way to, and it looks like they're doing like panelized systems or modular systems um, to get it done. So people understand that the issue, and they, I think they realize that it is going to be technology. I wish Elon would get in it because I feel like he would make probably the biggest moves. You know, he's the modern-day Henry Ford, mm. and it just feels like that's, that's where it would be. So back to the people they say. Uh, global housing is at a tipping point where innovation is desperately needed to drive more supply at a more affordable affordable price. Right now, housing is not affordable. Murdoch said, just look at the need and quantity of the need. One plant is not going to make a dent, so we need to make, so we need to go bigger scale because it's a serious issue. We need to drive costs down and mass produce. Nothing would be better than to see automated modular manufacturing go up all over the country. It would be great to give back. I'm going to throw a... Uh, Wrench, I'll wrench duck. at this whole thing. Dodge what duck. if, what if all, Dodge what, duck. what if the big developers get together? Yeah. Like, I'm not gonna name names, but like the people who make most of the just, just any, yeah, standard Toll homes, brothers, whatever, whatever, Richmond, and they lobby the government and they say, uh, something about manufactured housing, and then they squash this. Like that's ah. always the issue. This yeah. cronyism. Hey, can can I kind of reduce? Uh, the qual our quality of life to something too simplistic, but I think it's true and point something out. Sure. Your quality of life, Lance, again, correct me if I'm wrong, is based on two factors, and it's not the two factors that most people might think of or that you might guess. Your quality of life is literally based on heavy machinery and uh, factory robotics. And uh, one more thing. What? It's based on uh, cheap energy. Yes. 100%. And, and cheap, and, easily storable energy. Gee, I wonder what two sources are for that. <laughs> but <laughs> can I tell you the significance of this? Everyone that's listening to this podcast, you are only doing it because of those three things. Yeah. Because of the products that you have are made by factory robots. The place that you live at are only there because of large equipment. The food is only there because of large equipment, because of the uh, shipping, the, the semis, the everything that's out in the field, the if you've ever built anything of any s substance, the machines that come and break things or move dirts, like it is a force multiplier of a thousand X. Yeah. And not only is that we you can physically see that, if you look at the difference of quality of life between, let's just say us in India and in the rural places in India, they don't have those heavy machineries to do the work and they don't have that cheap power. And if they had both of those things, <coughs> they would literally 100,000 X. Um, and there are places in India that has it. Same thing in China. There are places that have it and places that don't. So I don't like it. Those two things are s so important <laughs> to your quality of life. And yet the thought, like the amount that you think about heavy equipment and robotics is almost nothing because I'm in the, these industries and we don't even think about it that much. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, we, you want to do this next time? Yeah. 
uh, we can do this next time. Sure. Yeah. So uh, there you go. On the next, on the next, on the next episode that we'll talk about Yimby in Colorado. There's uh so our governor will continue the conversation. We always talk about affordable housing anyway. Um, but we do have a read Ooh, by who? Marcus Aurelius. Wow, I thought he was and dead. He was the fifth. He's I resurrected him now. Good. He's uh, he was the fifth good emperor of uh, Rome. So here's Marcus Aurelius with Marcus Reeds. When you arise in the morning, think of what a precious privilege it is to be alive, to breathe, to think, to enjoy, to love. Uh, what a quality uh, statement. What a quality read. <laughs> yeah. The Just the voice. Pretty and the, Romany. Yeah. Pretty Romany. The background music. Yeah. And all that. Yeah. The, uh, like one of the things he talks about. So I just, I just read his book on Tuesday. Um, it's uh, Meditations. If you get it on Audible, it's only five and a half hours. You could read it on a car drive or whatever. It's really good. Uh, I'm trying to become uh, practice more stoic things, and one of the things that stoics do is they do daily affirmations, especially in the morning. Wake up, take that first breath, thank thank God that you are breathing, and just be grateful to even be there. And every new day is sort of a new day. It's like a new life. That's one of the coolest things about it. I think the stoicism philosophy is like every day is a life. Every single day is a life. And then you go to bed and you like you like the, the ancient philosophers thought this like you go to bed, you die, you wake up, you're born again. Mm. Every day's a new chance sort of thing. Awesome. Here we go with A.R.E. Jeopardy. OK. Uh, question one, what percent of allowable area of the exterior wall openings in sprinkler buildings is allowed in the fire separation distance of zero to three feet. So how many openings, what percentage can you have on the exterior wall? If you are within zero to three feet of the fire separation distance, is it a 10% B 5% C 3% D 0%. A, D, D, it is D, 0%. (laughs) Question two, same question. Oh, oh, oh. what is the, um, what is the next category? Three to three, three to five. Yep. Okay. What percentage of allowable exterior wall openings in a sprinkler building is allowed in the fire separation distance of three to five feet? Is it A, 15%, B, 5%, C, 3%, or D, 0%? What do we have? A, C, A, 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 15%. Number three, what is a fire sprinkler system that has pressurized air in the pipes called? Is it A, air system, B, dry pipe system, C, wet pipe system, D, chemical system? What is, number three, what is a fire sprinkler system that has pressurized air in the pipes called? Is it A, air system, B, dry pipe system, C, wet pipe system, D, chemical system? Number four. 
Uh, we have A, B. We got vodka. B. The correct answer is B. Or what's what do we got for score so far? Three. Nice. All right, Jason. <laughs> Reeves. It's your first day. Reeves. Number four. What is a temperature change that we can feel called? Is it A, sensible heat? B, heat change? C, heat feel change? D, non-sensible heat change? Very critical to know as an architect. <laughs> I guess. We have A. Reeves, what do you got? B. A. Correct answer is A. Sensible heat. All right. Do we want to do the last tiebreaker? Tiebreaker, it's whoever answers correctly first, and then if you answer first and get it wrong, that he gets a chance. Let's go. All righty. Colorado's statute of repose for construction defect claims prohibits claims from being filed how many years after substantial project completion? Huh. Good guess? You got a guess? Good guess? He's thinking. He said five. He said five. Less so good guess. Baca, yeah, not nope. a good guess. Okay, so then there it Yay! is. Six years. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for. I was like, Mark, it's so obvious. TBD. Uh, TBD. TBD. If you're listening, sponsor this show. TGI Fridays. <laughs> if you don't pick. <laughs> Jackson style. Let's. Well, uh, if you like this episode, uh, leave us a positive comment on the YouTube. Like, subscribe. If you're listening on iTunes, leave us a five-star review. We'll see you next week.